The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Cam Newton says hell yeah. The Patriots say hell yeah. Even though there was a report week 17 of the 2020 regular season, hell no, to Cam Newton and the New England Patriots continuing their relationship. They do. It broke during PFT Live. Peter King and I pivoted on the fly, showing deft ability to react to the news. It really wasn't all that hard. We just talked about something other than what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to be talking about. Unless something else happens, who knows? That's the fun of live TV slash streaming on Peacock, Miles. You never know what the big, the next big news is going to be in the NFL. Good afternoon. And I say this with all sincerity and authenticity. How are you? I am doing so well, Mike. It is Friday. It is 5 o'clock. It's gr- a great time to be with you on this show. And I'm ready to talk Cam Newton. You know, I, I said last week, it's becoming a Friday tradition. I'm another week closer to death. But <laughs> since I've had my vaccine, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I've prolonged my life expectancy by getting the Pfizer shot phase one. I've got 20 days to go until I get phase two. I encourage everyone out there, the moment you are eligible to get the vaccine, please get vaccinated. Don't take it from me. Take it from most of the living presidents who created a public service announcement earlier this week toward that end. All right. Cam Newton, uh, one year with the Patriots. Now, last year, Miles. Cam Newton could have earned up to $7.5 million. To get to $7.5 million, though, as a practical matter, he had to be the regular season MVP and win the Super Bowl and be the Super Bowl MVP. It would have been the best $7.5 million ever spent in the history of sports. At the end of the day, he, he earned $3.7 million for what he did because they didn't even make it to the playoffs, and obviously he wasn't a pro bowler, all pro, anything like that. This time around... Base value, according to Mike Garofolo of NFL Media, is $5 million. Now, it's really $3.5 million with per-game roster bonuses to get to five. The deal is worth up to $14 million, $9 million in incentives, that same package of playoffs, All-Pro, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, regular season MVP. It'll be the best $14 million ever spent in league history if he unlocks all of it. And, and uh, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here, but there was a report from ESPN earlier today that the deal is worth close to $14 million. That's incorrect. It's worth five. It can be up to $14 million. He's got to do a lot to get to $14 million. And if they ultimately write that check for the full 14 it's one hell of a year for Cam Newton, Miles, and one hell of a year for the Patriots. Oh, no doubt, because it would mean that Cam Newton is probably having the best season that he's ever had. I mean, let alone his 2015 season. And if you can spend that much money on a quarterback and then also win a Super Bowl, I think any team around the league would sign up for that. Because at this point, that's less than half at $14 million of market value for a top quarterback in this league. So, yeah, if the Patriots do end up starting Cam Newton for all 16 games, if they do you know, make it to the playoffs, make it to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, I'm sure they would be thrilled beyond belief to sign a check for $14 million for Cam Newton, Mike. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and just another public service announcement as it relates to the reporting that will happen over the course of the next week. We saw it last week with the J.J. Watt contract. We saw it with the report today initially that Cam Newton's contract is worth close to $14 million. Don't swallow the hook right away. And, and it really is ironic to me that people who are in this business with presumably a goal of being as accurate as possible will run with whatever they're told just to be first when it comes to one of these contracts. And they accept it, Miles, as an occupational hazard. They know they're going to get lied to. But the thing is, they have to just assume it's true because someone else will assume it's true. And then it becomes a race to Twitter to see who can get it out first when the agent sends it to multiple reporters. And on this one, I can't name names, but I have it on very good authority that there was one other national reporter that was told the $14 million number and thought, I'm just going to wait because I got a feeling it's not that. So kudos to that person who knows who they are. And the opposite of kudos to whoever, uh, and we know who that is, said it was close to 14 when it's it's not. It's just not. And whether we care about accuracy or not, that's up to the audience. I tend to care about accuracy, even though my work product would not necessarily reflect that all the time. What do we expect, though, from the Patriots with Cam Newton, given what we saw last year and given the factors that affected his performance, team's performance, he's got whatever there's going to be in the offseason this year, but at least something. He'll be around for virtual meetings if they do that. Whatever it is, he's got more experience in the offense than he would have had a year ago. What do we think he can do in year two? I think he could be better, but I'm not sure how much better. And I think depending on what they surround Cam Newton with, I think he could be better. But again, I'm not sure how much better because in some of those games that I watched with Cam Newton – it, it, man, it just didn't look good from when he was throwing it. And now I think if you're talking about Cam Newton, you have to also talk about what he does with his legs. He did have 12 rushing touchdowns this year, nearly had, I think, 600 yards rushing. So that's obviously a factor. But if you're a quarterback, the quarterback's got to throw. You know, we're in 2021 now. This is a passing league. And if your quarterback has a lot of trouble throwing, as Cam Newton did sometimes last year, I'm just not sure how that really makes the Patriots not just a a Super Bowl caliber team, but let alone a playoff team. I'm just not sure that Cam Newton playing at the level he did is going to elevate them all that much. Now, if he has another year in the system, could he be better? Sure. If, you know, he has another year healthy and his body is right, could that help him? Absolutely. But I, I just... I don't know. At this point, I'm just not sure that Cam Newton is going to be that guy that he used to be. And also, the Patriots aren't paying him like they expect him to be that guy. Because as we were just saying, if you get a max $14 million, that is less than half of the going market rate for quarterbacks, Mike. So I, I'm not sure that we can expect all that much more from Cam Newton in 21. Yeah, $14 million if he makes every incentive matches what Ben Roethlisberger is taking by way of a haircut this year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's not even, well, it's not top 15. It's just barely top 20. And that's before the next wave of quarterback contracts, whatever may happen over the course of the next few months as guys sign new deals like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. Um, One one thing that, that I do want to say, they were 7-9. It's not like they were 3-13 and 13 last year. So... Even with Cam Newton struggling, and I think COVID-19 affected him. It caused him to miss a game that they they actually played the Chiefs very well in the game that Cam Newton missed. And then after that, he wasn't himself. He was asked at one point whether or not he was suffering brain fog. He denied it, but then he later admitted 
that COVID-19 did affect him. And we've known and we've seen and we've heard that it affects a bunch of different people in a bunch of different ways. So that kind of screwed things up for the Patriots last year. I think they are a potential playoff team this year. And the other thing to keep in mind, Miles, there's there's two types of teams, actually three types of teams, as we go into this year with the reduced salary cap. And we discussed yesterday, it's not just the $15.7 million reduction. It's the extra 10 on top of it that teams thought a year ago we would see by way of increase. You've got the teams that have the natural cap crunch like the Saints. You've got the teams that just don't spend much and have a natural cap surplus like the Jaguars. Then you've got the Patriots who saw what was coming, adjusted their spending accordingly last year, and deliberately planned to have a tremendous amount of cap space in 2021. They are plotting something. Now, are they plotting a rush for the biggest names in free agency? No. Shaq Barrett? No. Kenny Galladay? No. They're going to wait. And what, what's going to happen is they're going to have their pick of a bunch of guys who aren't finding work elsewhere, and they're going to make that team better, and they can load up with quantity, and they can significantly turn over their roster. And if, if I'm a veteran who thinks I'm safe, I may not be safe. The best case scenario for me may be that they come to me at some point after the first week or two of free agency and say, you know what, we got a chance to get this guy who plays your position and he's willing to take this. We need you to take less. And there may be some guys who have to do it. So, Miles, they've got that cap space and it gives them a hell of an advantage this year. That's the other side of this. It's not just continuity at the quarterback position. It's having that ability now to put some help around him in the form of cheaper veterans who aren't going to find big money elsewhere. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think if you are a veteran and you want to win, and even though New England was 7-9 and nine last year, you got to look at everything that they've been able to do over the last two decades. And granted, I know Tom Brady was there and Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl in another place, but they still do have Bill Belichick. And that, that mind, that football mind, is known as one of the best in football. So if he can get a bunch of veterans who happen to be cut by their teams, don't necessarily have a market for other places to go to, and then they can all come together and they're like, you know what, let's all come together and let's just win. And let's figure out the best way that we can win. And we can do it here because we know that the culture in New England just produces winners. I think that that could be a viable option for them to really be competitive in the AFC East. I think Buffalo should still be at the top of that hill and everybody should be chasing after Buffalo. Miami also obviously had a solid year in 2020, but you can't just discount what the Patriots can do. I I just Frankly, I thought that they would be a little bit better than they were last year. But, Mike, I think what you're saying about the approach that they took in making sure that they would have all this cap space this year is part of why they were 7-9 and last year because they just figured, you know what, this year isn't it for us. And you know what, that might work out for them this year in 2021. Yeah, and they were still 7-9 and despite all that. So I'm intrigued by what they potentially can do. We talked earlier today on PFT Live about – the Greg Bedard report that Jimmy Garoppolo was plan A. And the problem is, Miles, if you're the Patriots and you wait around for the 49ers to eventually decide to move on from Garoppolo and they don't, then you're screwed if Cam Newton goes somewhere else in the interim. You know, I think this was a win-win because the Patriots weren't willing to wait to see what happens with Garoppolo. And Cam Newton realized this was the best deal he was going to get so they, you know, because the tampering that doesn't happen happens. And Cam Newton, 
had a chance to see what else was out there or wasn't out there. And so they get it done and they move forward. And I think it can be interesting. And two games become very interesting on the Patriots schedule beyond the usual stuff, the Bills games, the Dolphins games, the division games. But 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 we already knew Buccaneers at Patriots was one of the games of the year because the prodigal son is coming home in the form of Tom Brady. But Cam Newton, lifetime, 2-0 and against Tom Brady, 2-0. and Not that that's a huge sample size, but it's something. And I'd said all along, they need to have someone they feel good about at quarterback when they go against Tom Brady because that, that could get very ugly if the Patriots just don't show up that day and the Buccaneers come in and they start doing well. It could be like the final fight scene in Rocky Four, where all the Russians turn against Drago and start chanting Rocky. You don't want that if you're the Patriots. You don't want that, that stadium to have its nostalgia moment with Tom Brady and actually be rooting for Brady to beat the Patriots. No, you don't. But, okay, Mike – Maybe I shouldn't think about this, but I, I have been all day. Do we really think, depending on when the time of year is, that Cam Newton will necessarily be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots? I, I mean, just based on everything that we know right now, because look, as we've been saying, it's not like they're paying Cam Newton starting quarterback money. So I, in, it's been reported all throughout the day that this is not going to preclude them from going after another quarterback. So what you're saying, I think, is true about Jimmy Garoppolo, that they didn't want to wait for him and they don't necessarily want to wait for San Francisco to decide. But at the same time, I think that if Jimmy Garoppolo does become available somehow, just because they have Cam Newton is not going to stop them from going after Jimmy Garoppolo at this point because they're not paying Cam Newton enough where it's going to be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we're paying this guy all this money just to sit on the bench. I mean, that's pretty decent backup quarterback money from the team perspective that they would be paying Cam Newton. So, and who knows if Cam Newton even would want to be a backup at that point. But I, I just... I don't know that it's actually going to be Cam Newton versus Tom Brady whenever that matchup at Foxborough happens, just because I'm not convinced that Cam Newton is going to be the starter for all 16, 17 games. I think that the incentive package is an inference that we can draw that he is going to be installed as the starter going into the season. That doesn't mean he's going to have a hammerlock on the job but he at least will be installed as the starter. And if he doesn't improve over what we saw last year, he could be in danger depending upon who else they have on the depth chart. The other intriguing game for the Patriots, they go to Carolina this year, which will be a much more fascinating game with Cam Newton playing quarterback for the New England Patriots. We mentioned Tom Brady. The other news of the day as it relates to quarterback contracts, Brady, as expected, extended his contract technically by four years, but as a practical matter, by one year. Teams are throwing more and more of these dummy years onto the end of a contract so they can push cap dollars into those voidable years. You eventually have to take the reckoning, but as the cap goes up, that reckoning, relatively speaking, is less than it is if the cap dollars hit now. They took his $25 million compensation package, dropped it to the minimum salary of $1.075 million, turned the balance into a signing bonus that gets spread over five years. They create $19.14 million in cap space. Tom Brady doesn't take less money this year. He still gets $25. He's under contract next year. And what amazed me, if you flip through your Twitter feed today, the number of reporters who were breathless in the idea that Tom Brady signed a contract that lasts until he's 45. When the guy has been saying for practically the last 45 years, he's going to play until he's 45. I, I understand, and, and this is the sweet spot I try to find, because I, 
I, I have been very vocal publicly and, as Miles knows, privately about reporters who turn up their noses at stories because they're too lazy to work on the stories. And they just say, ah, it's not a story. It is a story. You're just too lazy to work on it. And you're going to wonder what happened the day you get laid off. Not you, Miles. I mean you, the lazy reporters out there. The other side of it is don't take something and, and make it into something bigger than it is. The idea that Tom Brady is under contract with the Buccaneers through the age of 45 is meaningless. We've known he's going to play until he's 45. It's kind of like what we talked about yesterday. I think we talked about it. The Gronk announced or told somebody he's coming back. He said it in February he's coming back. So don't act like it's new. It's not new. So anyway, that bugged me. That's just It's like, folks, it's Tom Brady. We, we don't have to go out of our way to make it bigger than it is. He said he's going to play until he's 45, and now he's under contract through the year in which he turns 45. Okay, let's see if he can win number eight. He's leaving $19 million on the table in cap space in an effort to help his team get there, and he tweeted, let's go or whatever, team band back together. Let's go is what he always says. Let's go get some avocado ice cream. But regardless, he can keep the band back together because he's given them $19 million they can use to sign other guys. You are on one today, man. Yeah, he is definitely giving them back that money. And everybody is said, basically, that they want to run it back, except they haven't said run it back because, as Bruce Arians says, that was uh, the Chiefs' BS. So they just want to keep the band back together, and they're going for a second one. And everybody seems to want to do that, except, you know, you've got other guys, and Shaq Baird has said, hey, I want to chase the bag right now, and I don't blame him for doing that. So if Shaq Barrett's going to be able to come back, and if, they, if the Buccaneers are going to be able to pay him what his market value is, or at least what he believes his market value would be, then it's going to be because of somebody like Tom Brady and the way that they have structured this thing in his contract now so that they get that cap space so that they can then go after other players. And it's not necessarily just a guy like Barrett. You know, It could be other free agents that are out there. It could be the same sort of thing we were just talking about with New England, where you get veterans who are either not going to have the market that they might have thought that they would have otherwise who are going to be unrestricted free agents or it could be veterans who are cut from other teams and then they say well you know what hey i go down there with tom brady and i play in a state with no income tax and i have a really really good shot at winning a ring before i retire i think that any number of players would love to go down there because they have now seen exactly what tom brady can do when he's in another environment other than New England, and they know exactly how well he fed into that culture and made it a winner. So I think that a lot of guys are going to be interested, Mike, in going down to Tampa Bay if they get the chance. And even with the 19 million miles, Shaq Barrett may want so much that they look at it and say, we'll just go find another Shaq Barrett like we did two years ago when we signed him for a relatively inexpensive amount after he left the Denver Broncos following four years in the NFL. We can get two or three pass rushers, load up the rotation, and see which guy emerges as the top dog, and then that's the guy that we ride to another Super Bowl appearance. And, you know, the state income tax thing is an attraction. It really is the lack of a state income tax in Florida. The the uh, the, the lack of state income tax, though, continues to be counterbalanced by the fact that they have things there that will eat you if they get the chance. And I'm not talking about your cats if you die at your house. I'm talking about alligators. So... Uh, count me out, Florida. I love you, Florida, but I'm not going to live near alligators. That's it. All right, Des Bryant, he told TMZ on Thursday that he wants to play for the Arizona Cardinals this year. And I'm intrigued by this one, Miles, because the Cardinals are holding a spot for Larry Fitzgerald unless they secretly know he's not coming back. But either way, there's a, there's a place for, for Des Bryant 
on that depth chart if Larry Fitzgerald doesn't come back. Uh, Des Bryant joined the Ravens last year. He wants to keep playing. He doesn't want to go back to Baltimore. He, he even left the door open for the possibility of returning to the Cowboys, although that's definitely not his call. The Cowboys have not wanted anything to do with him since cutting him three years ago in April once free agency had fully fizzled out and there wasn't much out there for him. But Des wants to keep going, wants to play for the Cardinals. We'll see if the Cardinals want Des. Uh, and, and we'll see what kind of gas he has in the tank. You know, it's just hard to tell last year because he's not in an offense that was high-powered from a throwing standpoint. I hope he gets an opportunity and and uh, gets a chance to add to his legacy and pursue some wins and team up with DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray and J.J. Watt and company. We'll see what the Cardinals can do this year. Yeah, speaking of just stories that are interesting, I think it will be very interesting to see what Des Bryant could do in that Cardinals offense, whether Larry Fitzgerald is there or not. I think that obviously, as you were just saying, Mike, could change things. But look, what's kind of confusing to me at this point is when did Arizona become a destination team? You know, since J.J. Watt, obviously, he's going down there. And I guess the Kyler Murray effect is real, but it's not like they've really won all that much with Kyler Murray. I mean, they were 500 this last year. They were, I think, uh, they, what, 5 and 11, 6 and 10. I can't quite remember off the top of my head in uh, 2019 in his rookie year. They had a tie in there. I think they were 5, 10, and 1. That's right. That's uh, I was kind of close. So, but if, if this is now a destination team, because they've got somebody like Deandre Hopkins, they've got guys like Kyler Murray and people think that they can score points, then yeah, I look, I think it's a good maybe match for them, but I just think it's very interesting that now all of a sudden Arizona is this destination team. I I don't know really where that came from. Well, that, that came from overpaying JJ Watt by the tune of at least 2 million a year. And 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 again, that that that's the that's the rub for Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, because once the hype dies down, it's on him to get the expectations under control. And the reality is, this is a third or a fourth place team in the NFC West when you consider the Rams, the Seahawks, the 49ers. They're going to have their work cut out for them. We saw them get off to a good start last year. They went to six and three by virtue of the Hale Murray win over Buffalo. After that, they went two and five, and they had a hard time getting themselves back on track. It's almost like they thought they won something other than just a regular season game when they had that great win against the Buffalo Bills. So they have a long, long way to go. We have not a long way to go, but still more than half of the show. Let's go ahead and take a break. And when we return, our good friend Tom Curran, his thoughts on the New England Patriots keeping Cam Newton and Tom Brady extending his contract. Did you know he's going to play until he's 45? We'll do that next with Tom Curran. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I could say Tom Curran is late. The truth is we're a little bit early. So while we get Tom Curran on the line, we will what they call fill in the industry, Miles. But, uh, hey, this this Patriots team, which we're going to be talking about in greater depth with Tom Curran, I am fascinated by what they can do. As we discussed earlier, the idea that they deliberately held back money last year, deliberately fielded a team that maybe wasn't as good as it could have been, and now strategically able to spend and and try to reclaim the division after a one-year blip. And they've got greater motivation to do it because – one year of the experiment, Tom Brady leaves. He wins a Super Bowl. Patriots don't even make it to the playoffs. They're never going to say it. My guess is they are seething and they are determined to show that they can get to the postseason and and uh, maybe even prevent Tom Brady from winning Super Bowl number eight if they can square off. That was my prediction this year. Patriots, Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, Buccaneers win. I probably won't predict it again, and that probably means it'll happen. Patriot, that would be something, though. To see the Patriots and the Buccaneers, not just in the regular season, but to get together again this year for a rematch, just like it was Patriots-Chiefs rematch in the Super Bowl. I would love to see Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have to answer questions about their relationship all week long and Bill Belichick just mumbling them away and Tom Brady saying something like, oh, you know, well, I've been here for a couple years now and this is really where I'm focused on. And obviously I had a lot of great years there in New England, but I'm really focused on what we're building here in Tampa Bay. I honestly would just love to see it. And then you have the also the element of Gronkowski being in there, right? And how would Gronk answer those questions? Because he'd be peppered by them all week as well. I think that would just be a lot of fun, probably for us, but maybe not for them. Definitely not for Bill Belichick. I mean, it's never fun for him. He'd prefer never to have to deal with the media at all. And I don't know how much. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how much Tom Brady would enjoy the experience of the lead up to the game. But I'm sure he'd love the opportunity to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Maybe that's the moment where his wife finally grabs him by the ear and drags him off the stage. We know she. Basically said to him four years ago after they beat the Falcons when they were down 28-3, to this is a good time to walk off into the sunset. He didn't. Two Super Bowl wins later, she said to him, he disclosed this a week or two ago, what more do you have to, to prove? And he changed the subject. So if you beat the Patriots to get to number eight, there really is nothing else to prove if you're Tom Brady. All right, we're going to eventually prove that we have the ability to talk to Tom Curran. He will be joining us soon. He is the Patriots insider at NBC Sports Boston. I'm told that we are 30 seconds away from Tom Curran. The 30-second countdown, it's kind of like we're waiting for a press conference from the president or something, but we will momentarily have Tom Curran. And actually, we can bring him in right now. Here he is. Wait, there he went. Tom Curran will be there. There he Oh, gosh. Uh, hello, Tom. <laughs> hello, boys. All, that was a nice face. All work and no play makes Tom a dull boy. Hello. Uh, what's going on? I'm Miles. How are we doing, Tom? Good to see you. Good, bud. Tom, how surprised were you when the news broke today that Cam Newton is staying with the Patriots? Were you giving us a reprise of your shocked face from this morning when you saw that Cam is staying? 
No, you know, it's funny last night, I've had a creeping sense that this was getting closer and closer, just in the people I speak to down there are starting to say, look, there's nothing out there for free agents and trying to sell the notion that Kim wasn't that bad when you really look at it. There were a lot of things beyond his control that kind of contributed to things. So I was prepared for it. I targeted it last night, Mike, at 51% likelihood that Kim would be back. But I thought that that was going to be, in case of emergency, break glass maybe in June if they couldn't get anybody else. I didn't think it was going to happen now. So we, the, you just kind of oh, – Go ahead, Miles. This is, the first the, time, this is the first time Miles and I have done this, so we got to get our sea legs. We're going to go back and <laughs> forth with questions, Tom. I hope you're ready to get grilled. Go ahead, Miles. Thank you, Mike. Uh, so, uh, well, Tom, you kind of just alluded to this, that people were saying it wasn't necessarily all Cam's fault. But from your perspective, I mean, was the offense last year a Cam Newton problem or was it a receiver's problem? Was it both? It was both. But here's the thing. <laughs> it was probably worse personnel-wise in 2020 than it was in 2019, Miles. The reason being, in 2019, you had Julian Edelman on a 100-catch, 1,000-yard season. Cam didn't have that. Now, Brady had a worse offensive line to deal with in 2019, but he also had James White. They didn't have an offseason to get those tight ends going. I don't know if they'll ever get going or not. But I would say that the Patriots in 2019 might have had a better complement of players. Neither was good. But here's the thing that people are overlooking that the Patriots do shine a light on. If everybody around the quarterback is that challenged, well, then how do you make up for it? You make up for it with the feet. And that's what Cam did. 12 touchdowns on the ground, 55, 55 first downs that he picked up on the ground. So those are things that they look at and say, look, if Brady was here and he was facing third and three, we couldn't have run with him, but we could with Cam. Tom, Jimmy Garoppolo's name had been linked to the Patriots. Greg Bedard recently said that he was plan A. Was this just a case of the Patriots not wanting to take the chance of waiting for Garoppolo and maybe not getting him so they better take Cam while they can before he signs elsewhere? I think that's 100% accurate, and I think that Cam was of a mind, too, that, you know what, let's, let's, not, let's not screw around with this. I want to be here. You guys need a quarterback. I'd love to run it back again with you guys. I enjoyed it. And I'll take a, another modest contract that if I play like I think I can play, we're going to make a little bit more. I don't think the Patriots are by any stretch, and I'm sure both of you guys are, are in the same boat, are done. It's a $5 million contract. That's less than Marcus Mariota made to pack up Derek Carr last year. So to me, the Patriots have just kind of done what they did with Trent Brown earlier this week. It's really a cover your ass type of move. If he's starting on opening day, and I just put this out on Twitter, I don't think the Patriots will be giddy about that. That means nobody beat him out. Nobody shook loose from any place else, but at least they feel okay that they have a guy that they don't dislike playing the position. So does that mean you anticipate that they will either draft a quarterback or add somebody else in free agency that is going to give Cam some op, uh, some competition. Or, Miles, they find somebody to shake loose. Somehow Deshaun Watson goes to San Francisco, and they convince Jimmy Garoppolo to give up his no-trade clause, take a pay cut, and come here. Then maybe they can work it. But I think right now it is TBD. They have to – and that's one that's interesting thing about Belichick is he doesn't 
pinch himself into a corner too often. I could argue you do have to be a little bit more proactive than he has been offensively really since 2017 because he's only drafted Jimmy Garoppolo and Danny Etling, reacquired Brian Hoyer, and now has twice signed Cam Newton. I don't think that that is really being urgent at the position. But you have to put, allow it to play out somewhat over the next few months and allow yourself some, some, some mobility so that if you do have an early onset stutter, as I just did, you can recover quickly and then finish the sentence. Here's the, the concern I have, though, as it relates to the possibility it'll be Jimmy Garoppolo or someone else who could potentially supplant Cam Newton as the starter. When I see the accurate details, not the stuff that came out earlier that Cam Newton is making close to $14 million, but when it's a base package of five and it's $9 million in incentives that are premised on the guy actually playing, don't you read that at some level as an implication that it's his gig, that it's his job, that they're signing him with the understanding that he's number one and they're not going to actively go out and look for someone who could just take that job over walking through the door? Yeah, you could take that implication or you could take it at, you know, as we're hedging our bets, Cam. You, you, we're not giving you the job. You have to win it. And he had to win it last year. His competition was only Jared Stidham, but I still think he would have to win it. And if you're Cam Newton and you're going to say, I don't think there's 32 quarterbacks better than me, and they hustle Gar Gardner Minshew in here or somebody, and I don't think they're going to do that, you're going to think you're going to beat him out. Now, Garoppolo would be certainly – you know, a horse of a different color in terms of what level and classification of quarterback, former Super Bowl starter is. But I still think that 5 million base is 5 million base. That is not the going rate for a starting quarterback. And the Patriots have hedged their bets well with it. What other offensive positions do you think really should be the priority for the Patriots going into this offseason free agency? Miles, I think that they really, I mean, it's obvious the wide receiver is, is a huge glaring hole for them. And I don't know. I think Jacoby Myers didn't have a touchdown reception. Demir Bird might have had one. Wish I had the numbers right in front of me and probably could Google it and find them. But their wide receiver touchdowns were very, very, very low, certainly less than five. As for tight end production, it was non-existent. There are two guys that they drafted. What? What, what? You're good. Okay, my bad. Nobody said uh, anything. I'm sorry. They just did a wipe and I got screwed. Uh, they have a tight end production between the two rookies that they drafted, Logan Keen and Devin Asiasi, of like six catches for the year. For the year. And Ryan Izzo didn't bring anything either. So it's got to be wide receiver and tight end that they start with. And I just don't know. I mean, we've seen the trials and tribulations of them trying to get things right at those positions. So... Um, it's hard to have great faith that they're going to get it right. Hey, Tom, one more about the Patriots before we pivot to the Patriots' former starting quarterback. The salary cap surplus that the Patriots have, significant. Puts yep. them in a position to sign a lot of guys, bargain basement guys. It's not like they're going to go out and make an Adelius Thomas, Stephon Gilmore type signing next week. And of course, now that I've said that, they probably will. How much of what they have now how much of that was deliberate last year when they kind of saw which way the wind was blowing they knew that there were going to be significant pandemic losses they had eight guys i think it was opt out for the year mm -hmm. how much did they decide screw it we're just going to stockpile cash and cap space for next year 
and we're going to go ahead and and try to take full strategic and competitive advantage of the fact that so many teams are going to be scrambling next year to comply with the cap, and we're going to be able to go all in and and put together a championship team with bargain basement players. Serendipity, Michael. I think it was totally and wholly serendipity that it worked out that way for them. Um, because if you look, as Brady was entering free agency around March 17th, and the team was franchising Joe Tooney to the tune of $15 million. They were bumping up against the cap. What they had hoped to do was to re-sign Brady, to reconfigure Tooney's contract, bring his number down, keep him around. Um, the fact that they ended up cleaning their books off when they lo- lost Brady, and I would say lose, lost him, um, they, in one fell swoop, were able to write their books and also, you know, benefit from the dropping cap around the league with other people being thrown overboard is just good fortune, good timing on their part. Hard to call a pandemic good timing, but they end up being the beneficiaries of that to a large extent. So when you now see Tom Brady has signed this extension that will let him play ostensibly until he's at least 45 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are you at all surprised by the way that this has gone down? No. I mean, this is part and parcel miles of what he has always done with the New England Patriots. And, you know, if the Patriots had negotiated in what Brady and Don Yee would have considered to be good faith in 2017 after Jimmy Garoppolo was traded, in 2018, in 2019, he would have done these deals, which would have then resulted in him perhaps renegotiating to drop the number down if need be. That's the way he's kind of always done it. I think one time, and that was in 2010, he had the top of the market contract. In 2013, that's when the Patriots and Brady got together, and I think it was a six-year, maybe not even, uh, $60 million extension. I would have to double-check that, and I should, because I've said it twice now on television and not gotten it right. Um, But Bob Kraft called that the elegant solution to Brady's contract where he wouldn't take up too much cap space and they could still build around him. Only when the Patriots became hesitant about keeping him around and making him go with incentive laden deals that he had no shot at getting, did he then begin to say, let's have 25 million here. You know, let's start to pay me closer to the market. But it was only because he didn't trust what they were doing where he started to say, if you're going to make me go year to year, I want to be paid more. Tom, on the scale of no big deal, garden variety, early regular season loss to Super Bowl 42 losing to the Giants, where will it fall if the Patriots lose at home to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers this year, whenever that game may be? I think it'll be no big deal, barely causes a ripple um, because you're talking about the Super Bowl champions against, you know, what is a team that came off a seven and nine season and who knows what the record will be then. To me, it would be much, 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 much more poetic justice if there was a way for the Patriots to rest Jimmy Garoppolo free from San Francisco and have Brady, the deposed prince, coming back from exile to battle against the, the aging king and his, his always preferred prince, Jimmy Garoppolo, and fight for their honor in the fields of battle at Gillette Stadium. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. 
But would it be an issue, though, if, you know, Brady comes in and he's playing with the Buccaneers and all of a sudden the New England crowd starts chanting Brady, 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 because the Buccaneers are just doing their thing against the Patriots? Oh, yeah. And you know what? There will be fights in the stands because this has, in a way that Bledsoe Brady did not, because that was a team that was, you know, there was a lot of loyalty to Drew Bledsoe in 2000 and 2001, but he still wasn't a winning quarterback, certainly to the level that Brady was, nor did he put them on the map, nor provide them with a, a surname or a first name to give to dogs, cats, and children for years to come. If Brady comes in and does that, kind of pees on the Patriots' foreheads, Bill Belichick's forehead, I think that the people who take some gratification from seeing that Bill made a mistake and Brady is showing him what a great mistake it was will be in great conflict on that day with the people who say in Bill we trust Brady was a petulant child and um, Bill gave him everything that he turned out to be and that is One more. almost how it splits right now there's very 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 few who are in that that middle it's blue state red state you decide which one is which Hey, Tom, one more for you, and we appreciate your time as always. If I'm reading you properly based upon the last 10 minutes or so, and there's a chance I'm not, I get the impression that you don't view last year's 7-9 and nine as some sort of a regrouping by the Patriots. You see it more as the start of a trend and that this team has its work cut out for it to be a playoff team again. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I think the ceiling is probably about 10-6. and six. Um, and a team that can overachieve, give a hard time to some really good teams, get its ass handed to it by the very good teams and beat all the teams that are similar to it. They went seven and nine last year with one of the worst rosters in football. It won't be one of the worst rosters in football this year, just with the opt-outs coming back, but they still don't have anybody who makes you sweat in the front seven, except for Dante Hightower. They may lose to Stephon Gilmore via trade or something else. No wide receivers, no tight ends and a quarterback right now, who's not really good at throwing overhand. Tom, we appreciate you, pal, and we will be checking out your work at NBC Sports Boston. We'll talk to you again soon. When we return, Trey Lance has his pro day workout, plus draft rooms may be back this year. We'll be right back. North Dakota State's Trey Lance today with his pro day workout had one game in 2020. His team was 16-0 in 2019. The B, B, FCS, BCS, FCS, I always get that wrong. FCS, I don't know. Uh, whatever they it's were, FCS, they were the champions. Yeah. And he had 28 touchdown passes and no interceptions that year. He's kind of faded, Miles. I think not playing last year affected him, but uh, looking pretty good. Matt Rule was there. Joe Brady was there. The Panthers desperately trying to find a franchise quarterback. And the problem is at number eight, where they currently draft, that may be the best they can do. Because right now the thinking is it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, then Zach Wilson, then Mac Jones, possibly all three gone before number eight. And maybe the Panthers would have to go Trey Lance at number eight, or they could get creative like the Ravens once did, traded down from the top ten, then traded up again and got Joe Flacco in uh, in the middle of the round in 2008. But uh, obviously the Panthers interested. And one reason why the Pro Day workouts this year are interesting is because you can only take three guys from your team to any Pro Day. 
So who's there? That that gives you a very good idea of how serious they are about a prospect. If the coach and offensive coordinator are there, safe to say that the Panthers are serious about Trey Lance, Miles. I think that they should be because, look, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is the guy that's going to be able to elevate that offense and make it a championship caliber offense. I, I just don't. And so when you have the opportunity to maybe get somebody who is really a dynamic player in Trey Lance, I think that he's got a lot of potential. Now, I've, I think what you said about him not necessarily playing in the 2020 season, that's a long time for somebody not to play any football, especially as a QB, but I think the thing that might sort of balance that out is the fact that at North Dakota State, they play a real pro-style system that obviously helped Carson Wentz when he was getting into the league, and we can, of course, talk about the results of Carson Wentz's career over the last year or whatever it's been, but at the same time, if you're just talking about a guy who can be a transitional quarterback or make that transition, I should say, in a good way, then I think Trey Lance might be able to do that, but if he can't, then they do have Teddy Bridgewater and he can forgive the pun, be that bridge to the next generation with somebody like Trey Lance. If you want to get him a little bit more seasoning, at least Bridgewater can go out there and he can be a competent quarterback for you. If that's the way you wanted to go. And as Matt Rule said earlier this week, Bridgewater is our quarterback. But of course, during that same show where we shared those comments, we played rules comments from last year when he was talking about how excited he is to coach Cam Newton. So take all of it with a grain of salt this time of year. Don't take this with a grain of salt, though. The NFL has informed all teams via memo distributed today that draft rooms will be up and running this year. It won't be a virtual draft. It won't be a stay-at-home draft. Now, physical distancing, mask wearing, no food in the draft rooms. You're in the draft room for a long time. What are you going to do, step outside to eat a sandwich? There's something odd about that aspect of it, but they're trying to make sure that everybody stays properly covered up. It's a good example for everyone out there as we work through this process of getting folks vaccinated. The worst thing that we could do as a people as we get closer and closer to beating this is to let our guard down too early. I, I think it's a dangerous time as we get closer to the finish line if we get away from the things that we need to do to minimize the spread. So the NFL at least allowing teams to gather in their draft rooms if they choose to. It's all going to be televised like it always is. There'll be cameras wherever the general managers and the coaches are, Miles. But the stay-at-home draft was a one-year thing. Now, the other side of it, I, that, that doesn't tell us anything about what the draft is going to look like this year. I doubt that there's going to be thousands of people in Cleveland, the designated site for this year's draft, like we saw in Philadelphia, Nashville, in other places where there were just a lot of people in a huge crowd. But uh, it will be different than last year. Hopefully this is the last year that it's not the normal draft experience that we've grown accustomed to. Yeah, I think it should at least be more efficient from the standpoint of everybody being in the same room. And I'm sure that teams are going to be much happier about that because I, I don't know that any snafus really happened last year, but there's a huge risk when you're relying on the internet instead of just being in the same room with people to communicate and say, hey, if this guy goes, this is the guy we want. You know, if these two are gone, then you know what? Let's trade back. Let's figure out who our trade partners can be. It, it just all is so much easier if you're in the same room. And, you know, having sat in draft rooms before, Mike, I can tell you a lot of times there isn't that much food in there, at least the food, the draft rooms that I have sat in. It's usually in the cafeteria you go and then you get it and then, 
when you're back in the draft room, it is more of a, of a work place environment. You have to be able to sit there and work. So I don't know, maybe that'll work out fine. Well, we'll see how that goes, but we will miss, for example, not seeing Bill Belichick's dog commandeer the laptop area in his dining oh, room. Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury with the awesome setup, unless they oh, set up yeah. the draft room there, which I think that room would be a great place for the draft room. Why not do it there? There's Jerry on his $250 million yacht, $90 million more than what he'll pay Dak Prescott over the next four years. Bill Belichick with his dog in his, I don't know what that is, kind of dining room or something, Andy Reid down in the basement. So we had all kinds of fun stuff last year from the 2020 draft. It looks like it will be a one-time only thing, which is very good for the NFL and for the rest of us because it means that the pandemic coming to an end. The show is coming to an end, but we still have more PFTPM to get to when we return. A continuation of yesterday's mailbag, matchmakers. Who do you want to see sign where when free agency begins in only five days? We'll be right back. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. All right, matchmaker mailbag. We did a few of them yesterday. We got a few more to do today. Very simple question. I want blank to sign with the blank. Red Zone Alk, good friend of ours from across the pond who's been asking questions for 10 years now. He wants Antonio Brown to sign with the Patriots. Well, he may be the only one who wants that because the Patriots have made it clear that that ship sailed. The moment that they signed him and then found out after signing them that there was a looming lawsuit for sexual assault and rape that he knew about that he and his agent at the time, Drew Rosenhaus, didn't tell them about. That burned that bridge. It was done. And then he filed a grievance against them to get his money. So that's the last team, other than maybe the Raiders at this point, that would sign Antonio Brown. If he plays at all, Miles, I think it's going to be back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, now. Can't rule out the Seahawks because Russell Wilson has wanted him in the past. 
Can't rule out the Packers because maybe Aaron Rodgers wants him now. But wouldn't it be something if one of these other great quarterbacks puts the screws to their front offices to say, hey, let's go in there and let's offer Antonio Brown something other than whatever minimum value contract the Buccaneers think they can get him with. And maybe we get a little bidding war for Antonio Brown among great teams with great quarterbacks who see the value in having him around. Well, I, if I'm a great quarterback, I think I'm just going to have to give that one up to Tom Brady because I think that Antonio Brown should at least know by now that his best spot is wherever Tom Brady is. So if Tom Brady decides all of a sudden in a couple years, you know, I want to go play somewhere else, then that's exactly where Antonio Brown should be because Antonio Brown and Tom Brady have figured it out. You know, for whatever reason, they work very well together. And I think that Antonio Brown, as long as he can stick with Tom Brady, that is exactly where he should be. And he should definitely not be back with the Patriots. I mean, you mentioned the grievance and everything and everything that they found out about him. But then he also had that uh, got caught in the parlor tweet about Robert Kraft. So I definitely, even though he apologized for that, I can't see him ever going back to New England. And, and let me just say this as it relates to Antonio Brown, because I've tried to be, and, and I never know whether the right word is sympathetic or empathetic, I've just tried to be understanding of his plight, given the possibility that the very bad decisions he's made have in some way been the product of some sort of mental or behavioral health issue that needs to be resolved through proper treatment medication. And, you know, we're all responsible for our actions, and I'm not making excuses for him. I'll say this, though. If Tom Brady somehow has some magical way to get through to Antonio Brown and Brown listens to him because he respects him, that undercuts the idea that there's something wrong with him and that there's a, some sort of a, again, I don't want to say excuse, but my point is this, to the extent that Tom Brady has gotten this guy on the right path, it makes me think he's just a jerk and there's just one person that he's managed to find who will listen to, Miles. <laughs> You know what, Mike? I can't disagree with anything you just said, especially as somebody who covered the Raiders in 2019 in that whole saga <laughs> through training camp through week one. So, yep. Uh, at Gong Show West would like to see Kyler Murray sign with the Oakland A's. Yes, the Oakland A's, if he gets traded to Houston for Deshaun Watson. And that, that's something that Kyler Murray has at his disposal that very few other NFL players have the opportunity to go play at a high level in another sport. He'd have to pay back about 11 million and change 11 and a half million. If he would walk away now from the NFL, but uh, yeah, if he'd get dumped on the Texans and I like the idea of Deshaun Watson to the Cardinals, but if Kyler doesn't want to play for the Texans, he can go play for the A's. And uh, I don't rule that out until he's too old to play baseball. I don't rule out the possibility of Kyler Murray doing that miles. Oh, hey, I mean, he's going to be young enough to play baseball maybe by the time he's done playing football. So he was wearing the A's hat the other night at whatever venue he was at, and that kind of caused a little bit of a stir, I remember. So, look, if, if he wants to go play baseball, more power to him, especially if he gets traded to Houston. You know, Jameis Winston always kind of had that on the radar screen. The Buccaneers had concerns about him ditching football for baseball. But that's the problem, and, you know, NFL coaches want players who are all in with football, and it's rare to find a guy that's got a level of talent that is so rare that that he could do both sports or either sport. And Kyler Murray said he'd love to be able to play both sports. It's kind of hard to do when you're a quarterback, though, in the NFL. One last one from Clip Springer. He wants my wife to sign the divorce papers. A little twist on the old my wife left me that constantly shows up on social media. So I hate to end the show on that note. 
Hopefully Clip Springer is kidding. Miles, great work as always. We got a busy weekend, though. Check us out Saturday, Sunday at ProFootballTalk.com. We're getting closer and closer to the start of the league year, which means free agency frenzy coming. We'll have it covered for you, and we'll see you back here again next week. Enjoy your weekend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.